Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how they grew their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Grit Podcast. I'm Brian Charlesworth. I'm the founder of Sisu and your host of the show. And for those of you who don't know what Sisu is, we're focused on streamlining the real estate, home buying, and home selling process. And we start by doing that with really real estate teams and companies, and then we extend that out to their vendors to collaborate, people like the mortgage and title companies. So today I'm here with a special guest, David Anderson. David is the founder and CEO of LionDesk. And for those of you who don't know, most of you probably do know who LionDesk is if you're in the real estate industry. But uh, for those of you who are not, LionDesk is a CRM in the real estate space. And uh, I'm really excited to, to learn more about LionDesk today, David, and to learn more about you. So maybe we could start by just having you give us a little bit of your background. And uh, I'd love to hear yeah. how was LionDesk born? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good question. Great to be here, by the way. So thanks for having me, man. I, uh, you know, I was in the online travel business for about 13 years, had, a, had an online travel company, technology. We did, uh, you know, we worked on the leisure side cruises and vacation packages. Um, and we had our own front end uh, portal, you could say, where we were doing lead generation and we would distribute those leads out to our network of agents. And it grew from a, just a brick and mortar agency into the number one or two seller of cruises in the world. And so after about 13 years of doing that, um, I decided it was time for change, right? It was a family business. I was, uh, had other family members. We had about hundred employees. I think we had about 500 or so agents, three to maybe 350, 400 agents. And so I don't know, man, I got like a hair and my grandpa was a, was a big entrepreneur and my dad is. And I think it was just one of those things where it's like, oh, I don't want to sit here for the next 20 years doing the same thing. So I left uh, and all my friends thought I was crazy and decided to start a company. And so, you but know, I kind of went through the process. The my sister's a real. It's like in your. It's blood. in the blood, man. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I really loved that part of when I was building that company you know, when it was just like, you know, no pun intended, just gritty, right? I mean, just getting to work every single day and trying to figure out the problem. And so with LionDesk, uh, my sister was an agent. My stepdad used to be, or uh, he was a mortgage broker. My dad used to be a broker. I mean, he, he was 18, he got his brokerage license and he had a bunch of multifamily stuff as well throughout the years. So I was kind of been around the industry and I went to Inman 2014, right? So seven, six and a half years ago, didn't have a product. Didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I, I remember walking into this thing and I was like, man, they got a band on stage and there's thousands of people. This is great. What a great industry, right? And so just started talking to people, came back. I live in San Diego, went to some brokers, knocked on doors, literally walked in, said, hey, you know, can I see how you manage your business? Can I see what you're doing? At the time, top producer was number one. And I was like, you know, I think I could do this better. 
like all entrepreneurs think they could do things better, right? And so over the course of the years, I mean, the goal was always really to be, you know, kind of the de facto CRM in the industry. We still have a ways to go, although we've made a, a hell of a lot of progress and, and, and more importantly, having a, a hell of a lot of fun, man. And so agents, brokers, teams, you mentioned mortgage. We got a lot of LOs in the system as well. And so that's, hey, that's how we got to where we are today. I didn't know this. Yeah. How did you end up getting LOs in the system? So uh, it was just naturally, you know, I mean, we had agents, they work with their loan officer. And so they're like, hey, can I, is there a way I connect my LO to this? I said, sure, why not? Next thing you know, we've made a couple of deals with some associations in the mortgage industry. And, you know, that business, you know, the, the TAM is much smaller, right, in terms of the number of people in there. But they are paying, you know, higher price points, the churn is lower. Uh, and so, you know, for us, it was, it was always for me, like, I want to figure out, I don't like these, you know, ceilings, right, in terms of like, how far you can grow. And, and we know, yeah, there's a million and a half agents, but how, them, how much of them actually produce and what are they doing? And that number just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, and our price point's low you know, 25, 49, 99 bucks a month, man. I mean, this isn't a thousand bucks a month. So we had to get a lot of scale in order to, to continue to grow. Yeah. Um, and so we just kind of went to mortgage, you know, and then, uh, I mean, we've got at this point, just random companies. I mean, auto dealers, um, they use the product, the you know, art, and it's a very small percentage. Our focus is still real estate, but it was designed for pretty much anybody. We use it. I mean, we so use it to help run our business. We get our leads in it. We manage our leads. Okay, cool. Does real estate pay less than every other industry? Um, you talk about the agents? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you said, the mortgage is paying higher than real estate. Like, let's talk about the pricing. How does how does mortgage pay and how does how does real estate pay? I, I ask you. Yeah, this the same price plans that. are offered. Yeah. Okay. I've talked to a few different companies that their model was the mortgage company for some reason would pay way more than the, the real estate company. And I, I've always thought that would be interesting. It'd be hard to market it that way for us. We price them both <laughs> the same, but uh, I know of others who have done different. So I just wanted to know if you were doing different. We price it the same. They just tend to go for the, the higher end products um, yeah. is really what it comes down to on that. Yeah. yeah. It's too hard to say like, oh, well, how come my lender's paying, uh, you know, 300 bucks a month and they got the same product as the agent that's paying 50, right? Yeah. I mean, you just can't do that with our, with our model. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So let's talk about like, what's the biggest difference between your platform and others in the industry? And I, my recollection of this is like, I think as far as I know, you guys are the only ones that really started like with a fully open API. But tell me, is, is that true? Is that not true? Uh, well, so we actually had the first version that I built with a, another guy and we had, you know, we, I mean, we grew dramatically. That's where our business grew. And then I redesigned it. We started actually a version two about three years ago or so. And it is an open API. I think that, you know, the differentiation uh, originally was that we got into the texting game before anybody else, right? I mean, I think we had that texting technology. Um, we also created our own like video. So you can record the video inside of LionDesk. You don't have to pay for a separate product. And then we also did that on the texting as well. The ease of use was there. I gave it away for a year for free, man, to try to just get ideas back from our mm -hmm. users, right? Literally. And so, you know, I would talk to people constantly. And I think 
you know, technology as we know, right, is pretty easily replicatable unless you have, you know, big patents and you're using like just gigantic things, you know, in terms of like machine learning or AI. But in terms of the competitiveness right now, I mean, communication, email, texting, video, that's all staying the same. And so what we always have to do is just business owners is like, okay, where do we need to be in six months, in a year? And that's always what I've been thinking about. And that's what I spend a lot of my time thinking about is making the core product better and better and better, right? Yeah. How can you save time? How can you save costs? Uh, how can you accelerate things? How can you give suggestions instead of being reactive? And I think that's the big problem with CRM today is that there's always like this rear view mirror, um, you know, focus, like what happened with that client? Like, where am I with that client? What am I doing with that client? When reality where we need to be, you know, and not just me, like the industry for CRM in general is much more proactive. And I think that's the fun part that's going to be coming out, leveraging the data and the machine learning to actually look into insights in terms of like how frequent you should be talking to people, how recent, like what's the sediment analysis of this stuff. And so like, you know, although we were ahead on texting, others have caught up. Now we're pushing the envelope to try to figure out like what is really going to be, you know, what does it mean to be a CRM and how do we grow beyond that? So let's talk about texting. So when I first got into the industry, my wife used one of your competitors and I, I've used one platform really for a little bit before I started CSU. But there wasn't any kind of video texting. So you're saying you guys can, you can record a, a video and you could, could you text that out to like your entire list, that, that one video, if you wanted, or is it just yep. individual video yeah. go to one client? No, you can do the whole thing. And I think that's one that, that is today still a competitive advantage that we have, right? So you can record a video and I recommend our clients do a video for every lead source that you get. Like, hey, this is David. I just got your request off of Zilla. I just got your request off of my website. I just got your Facebook, right? And then you can automate that. And the, the video is not a link. Right. So when you get that text message, when your client gets that text message, it's actually like when you send it from your iPhone, you just push play and then it plays the video. And, and at this, to this day, we're still the only ones that have, I guess, figured out how to do that. So it's just an embedded video and it's not a link because people hate clicking on links on their phone. It's like spammy. Yeah, people and, don't trust uh, links. I'm going to get a virus. Yeah, I don't, I don't trust yeah. links. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Me neither. And that's why we put so much time in that. Yep. And I think, you know, anybody that listens to, let's just take Tom Ferry, I would say he's the largest coach in real estate and the most probably widely respected. He, uh, you know, he talks about video all the time, how important video is. If you talk yeah. to somebody like Gary V, Gary V talks about how important video is all the time. So, so it's obviously, I mean, the world has gone more and more to video. I mean, things like you and I both know when Facebook started, it was around putting some text in there, then it became pictures and then it became uh -huh. video, right? As every other social platform has. So video is definitely the most effective form of communication. I think people have now, like that's the most widely accepted. And as far as being a, a client goes, you're gonna probably trust that message coming across way more if it's in video than than if it's just mm -hmm. a, a voicemail. So I think it's great. Correct. Yeah. And the, and the cool thing is, is that even if they don't uh, watch it or hear what you're saying, it's still a differentiator, right? Because that client is submitting leads to a few different agents. And so maybe they're going to get an email, maybe they're going to get a text. Uh, but if you're the only one that sends that video, 
it's a differentiator. And, and in fact, every person that signs up for Lioness gets a text video of me welcoming them to Lioness, right? Yeah. Like, so they can actually see how the whole thing works. Yeah. Okay. So how many users are you guys at now? Is that something you're, you're willing to talk about or? Let's say tens of thousands. How about that? Okay. That's great. We That's we, up from 32 in, in uh, 2016. We had 32 in January of 2016, which I was really excited about. 30, 32 <laughs> users. And now you're at tens of thousands. Yeah. Yeah. The first, yeah, with the first year we went from 32 to 3000 and it was, it was quite the operational challenge, let's say that and technical as well. Right. Yeah, um, sure. But that's the fun part about it. Right. Okay. So for those listening today, like who is your target customer? Like who do you think you can benefit the most in the industry? Yeah. So the product is made for the seller, that practitioner, right? We talked about the agent or the loan officer. Um, and that's going to be the majority of our focus. Like how do we make you as the seller of a product, which is homes, right? Close more deals. And I think that's where all of our focus is. We have layers on top, for example, for team admins, right? Lead distribution, the automation is all there, uh, and then reporting. And so, you know, we have clients, individual agents, small teams, and then brokerages up to, I think, uh, 1,200 agents underneath the brokerage. But again, the product is literally made for that agent, right? To keep track of their database, to get better at what they're doing, to communicate with them. And that's our whole focus. Yeah. Okay. So you're solving a problem for teams and brokerages, but really you're looking really to solve a problem for the agent. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, let's, let's, you know, my sister is, has been an agent, like I said, for, I said, 14 years, it's probably been longer than that. And, you know, she is still, you know, over for the first 10 years or something, I don't think she ever used anything to manage her database, right? I mean, I think she actually, think she actually used that MLS system to keep just her transactions in there. And so CRM is one of these things where everybody knows they need it, right? They don't want to use it, right? It's kind of a pain, like, oh, I got to like add my notes. And that's really where we're getting, trying to get better at. But from an agent's perspective, we want you to spend less time on the computer and more time talking to your clients. And that's really what we're trying to focus on with that automation, because you're not going to sell any deals by adding notes, right. Or by setting tasks, like let us help automate that whole process so that you can just talk to the client. Who do I need to talk to? And when do I need to talk to them without trying to figure out like what those variables are? And that's really what a good CRM should do. Okay. So you brought up AI and machine learning a few times. So like, are you guys doing anything with Structurally or are you doing anything with Ylopo or some of those types of companies? Are they integrated into your platform? Yep, both of them are for sure. So we get Ylopo, we've got a um, integration with them where you get not just the leads, but also the website traffic, right? Who's looking at what? And that's really, really what I wanted to build. Like I did not want to build an all-in-one at all, right? I wanted to build a product that was really good for what it did and be that central point uh, that hub, uh, if you will, of the communication that happens between yep. the client and the seller. And so we also have a partnership with Structurally. We've uh, kind of white labeled it. It's called Lead Assist inside of LionDesk. So you can actually have AI follow up. It follows up, I think, 36 times in 12 months with text messages. They get about a, or we're getting about a 65 or 70% conversion rate on those as with either a yes, no, or maybe, right? So you're actually getting a conversation with that client. Yeah. And the way that we did that is that, it's 
you know, when we do an integration like that, we don't, again, we don't want to have that agent have to have another app on their phone or log into another system, right? That's like the depth of, you know, time management. Right. And so what we did with LionDesk and let's say structurally, for example, with that AI, the same number that they're going to manually text that video out, right? Is going to be the same number that the AI goes from, so they can actually see those conversations happen in real time from the Lion Desk app, and then jump in anytime they want. And so it works really well, um, and it's just one of those things where it's like another arrow in the quiver to try to get a hold of that client. Yeah, awesome. Okay, I think there's a big advantage for those CRMs that that have that kind of stuff built in. So I think it's great. Which you have an uh-huh. advantage having just having an open API to be able to do that kind of stuff. So. Uh, let's talk yep. about you for a minute. So you're an entrepreneur, your family's, you come from a family of entrepreneurs, but it hasn't like, it didn't used to be cool to be an entrepreneur. I think now like kids grow up thinking, Hey, I want to be an entrepreneur. Right. But it, mm-hmm. that didn't used to be the case. So like you were at this solid business for 12 years, I think you said. And <clears throat> yeah, 15, yep. 15 years. And all of a sudden you decide to leave. Like, what made you make that decision? You know, what is it? Because a lot of people, like there's two types of people. One is I want to work for somebody and I want security. And the other is, Hey, I want to go build something. Right. So yeah. What, what drove you to leave that, that secure business and and go go Um, for a year for free and go knock on doors of brokerages? And then go into real estate, right? I mean, it's just yeah. uh, a series of a series of missteps, right? That actually turned out pretty well. So, I I always like kind of pushing the envelope. I'm not a gambler, right? Like when I go to Vegas, like I'll just walk by all the the tables and say I'm not doing that. You know, I look at you know being an entrepreneur is if you're going to do this, it's it's you want to look at it as an investment. The other thing is is that I've never had a fear of failure even though I have several times, right? I mean, we all fail, but I don't have a problem with it. I think that with the failure, actually, you know, you figure out what you don't need to do or what you shouldn't do, and then you can turn around and fix that. So when I was at the travel company, making 10 times more than I am now, literally, you know, it was still a lot of fun. Meetings were on six-star cruise ships, having expensive wine with the captain. Now meetings are in, uh, you know, Scottsdale at, uh, you know, the, some little motel. Right. So big differences between the industries. Um, All my friends thought I was crazy. And it was just one of those things where it's like, man, you know, I feel like that although the company is successful and we're doing really well, I feel like I could just, you know, I just need to do something else. Right. And so I, like I said, I had that little bug and I mean, to be honest, I wouldn't, it wasn't even lined as the first thing that I was going into. I looked at a lot of different things. I mean, hell, I was going to, I looked into being like a Dunkin' Donuts franchise owner for crying out loud, Brian, right? It was just like, what else is out there that I could do? And, and then just landed on the real estate side and, you know, you get punched in the face all the time. There's a tremendous amount of like pressure and stress. I mean, we, you know, we've got 60, 70, something like that uh, staff right now, right? So there's a lot of people, a lot of families. We just went through, I mean, last year at this time, we had no idea what the hell was going to happen. Is everything going to crumble, right? Um, We didn't let a single person go. And so, you know, but to me, it's just, that's what just drives me forward. And and people ask like, hey, what happens if like you ever get out of the business? What are you going to do? Are you going to stop? And I'm like, no, 
I'll figure something else to do, right? Like yeah. I can't just sit on a golf course or just go to Best Buy on a Wednesday and just shop around without actually having something motivate me to, to just do better and help uh, other people. Yeah. So the name of our podcast is Grit, right? So this is why I wanted to dive into this. I don't, I don't care if you're a real estate agent. I don't care if you're an entrepreneur. I don't, I don't even care if you're an employee, but you need to differentiate yourself, right? So, you know, two of my favorite books, one is Grit and another is Growth Mindset. And they both, they both really talk about what you just said, right? I mean, if I fail, it's not a failure. It's, it's an opportunity to learn and grow from that and then move forward. So yep. I just want everyone to, to think about that. And if you haven't read those books, I would recommend you go read those, those books. But I'd love to hear a little bit more about that because like you've been there. I know I've been there. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of times people think, okay, he's the CEO of Lion Desk. You know, he's got it easy now. They've got tens of thousands of users and, you know, 70 employees. And, you know, he's just crushing it. And so they probably think that every day is easy for you. So like, I know what your challenges were when you were giving away your product for the first year. And one of those yeah. challenges was definitely money. But yep. what kind of challenges do you have in your business today? Like on a, on a daily basis that, uh, that you have to still like think about this and pivot and make changes and grow and that kind of stuff. If you've been enjoying Grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grit. You know, things do not get easier, right? I think we just have to get better. And so, you know, I look at, I wake up in the morning, uh, mostly at five, sometimes before, right? Grab a cup of coffee and then, I, you know, it's a, there's a different challenge every day. I mean, one of the things that's changing the industry very quickly is going to be wrapped around these texting regulations. Um, and so a lot of this stuff is coming up. We've got to deal with that. I mean, with, I mean, we're sending out millions of text messages a month out of line desk, right? So we have the legal perspective, we have the operational perspective, and then we also have the whole rest of the business that we're running. And, you know, it was, it was actually a hell of a lot easier when there was three of us, right? And then when you go from three to 10, that's a whole other set of problems. Then when you go from 10 to 50, and then from 50 to 100, I mean, you have all these different levels and you think to yourself, man, if I only had 10 people helping me, things would get easier. Like, no, it gets, it actually gets more complicated. And one of the things that I've always tried to do, Brian, um, in both, in, in both my businesses was try to hire the best person possible that could fire me from the job that I was currently doing. Right. And so let me, when I was programming and I'm not a great programmer, but I was able to just kind of get through it. I was like, I, you know, I got to hire better people. So then I hired someone who now runs our entire product team. I used to be involved day to day on like uh, these meetings in terms of like the bugs and the issues and stuff. Not anymore. So then the next step after that was operations and then sales and then customer service. And so now I am able to spend more of my time making deals, putting things together, think about things. And it's not like it gets easier, right? Because I still have the entire organization to think about on a daily basis. But that's kind of the, I mean, that's what drives me, right? Like the more complicated the problem, the more excited I get about it and stress is every day. But, you know, that's one of those things that I've learned, you know, I think how to handle, hopefully I don't have a stroke, you know, and then they're like, oh, he was too stressed out. Right. But <laughs> I think that for the most part, it's, you know, it, to me, it's fun. I mean, when I, 
you know, in a competitive environment, like I just want to win, you know, and I know that I'm not always going to, um, and we're self-funded, right? I mean, I don't have, you know, 30 million bucks behind me. And so I'm looking at bank balances every day, man, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's just like all these little things that we're doing and it's always pushing forward, doing the best we can and just incrementally just get, just get, you know, 10% better every month in every department. And by the end of the year, you're going to be twice as good. So is your goal to not raise venture money to stay self-funded? That's the goal. Um, at this point, you know, things are changing so quickly in the industry, right? I mean, just look what's happened in the last, well, today, Compass went public today, right? right. EXP uh, is public. Is KW going to go public? You've got uh, huge <laughs> companies. Yeah, right? I mean, you've got billion-dollar enterprises coming into this industry. And as we started off, right, technology is easily replicatable unless you have a big moat. Like for us, we're doing things to kind of create this moat around us um, and so that there's not one event that could really crush us. And that's another thing that an entrepreneur is worried about, like how are you going to get destroyed, right? Yeah. Um, but, but with things changing so quickly, um, you never know, right? I mean, I, I would rather not take any money from anybody if someone says like, hey, here's the terms of the deal. We're going to grow you guys 10x. You know, sure, it's worth conversations. You know, I never say no to anything. Um, but at this point, we're just going to keep running as hard as we can with the team that we got because I feel like we have a really, really good team. Okay. So, what are you most passionate about as far as the industry right now? Like, what excites you as far as the real estate industry? I think it's, it, although it's a little bit tech, right? I think it's the stuff that's outside of the tech that's actually happening. I mean, look at the deals that are being put together with Zillow, you know, becoming a brokerage, right? Like how's that going to change things? So imagine this for just a second. I've kind of gone through this path in my mind. Everybody hates Zillow, right? I mean, there's like a universal disdain for Either that organization. Or love them, right? But everybody's, yeah, right. And, and, and then, but then on the other hand, everybody still pays them a lot of money for leads. And so if you think about this for a second, let's assume Zillow says, okay, we're now a broker. We have all the consumers coming to our website. We're going to copy EXP's model, although our stock is Zillow stock. And we're going to go ahead and give the same model and the compensation to everybody that joins Zillow. And maybe there's a kicker you know, coming from other companies. Oh, and by the way, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Agent, you're going to get all the leads that we are being generated. And we're going to work them for you on the front end with our concierge service. And we're going to give you all the technology for free. Like and that. all you have to do is show up to an appointment and meet the buyer at the door because we've let the buyer schedule their own appointment. Exactly. Right. And so it's like there's that mentality of like Zillow, like thinking years ahead. That's what interests me. The next thing is, will agents be licensed to refer loans over? Right. So Rocket Mortgage is starting a program or has started a program called Rocket Pro. An agent can actually get paid on every loan that that Quicken loans does, like a half a point. So they can make another thousand or two thousand dollars per transaction. So what so then the agent, right, starts becoming, you know, this advisorial, uh, which is really what they should be, right? Like let me guide you through this process and I'm gonna help you through this thing. And then that's why the technology wraps it all together, which is you got to think of this whole thing from a consumer focus first, right? Like are what we doing or is what we're doing going to benefit the consumer because if we can make that consumer experience really great then the agent is going to stay relevant for a long time and trust me everybody thought Expedia was going to crush the travel industry 
right? Our business, and by the way, that family business, it's still going. They're doing about a half a billion dollars, well, except for last year, about $500 million in, in annual revenue, right? So travel agencies didn't die. It's just those that didn't adjust died, right? Yeah. And so you always have to be thinking of these different models as a broker owner, like, where do I need to go in order to continue thriving and growing my business? So that's a good point. So you've seen that in the travel industry and obviously COVID hit it harder than technology did. And it's coming back now. Mm-hmm. People are filling up airplanes again. They, you know, mm-hmm. they have every other seat. Now they're filling every seat again. So that industry is coming back. Where do you see things changing for the real estate agent slash team brokerage? Like what are going to be some of the biggest changes for them here in the next couple of years? Well, the single biggest change that could occur is if the Congress passes the PRO Act, which requires agents to become employees. If that happens, uh, NAR will lose a large portion of the membership, which means that the NAR budget goes down, right? Because they get paid on a per member basis. Uh, Brokers are going to have to then decide which employees they're going to keep on board. If you're selling one home a year, you're not going to be a real estate agent anymore. So those that are left that are producing are going to make a lot more money. Let's be honest, right? Because if you take the supply down and we all know demand is high and by supply, I mean agents, there's going to be more people using the same number of agents or half the agents. And so that to me is the biggest unknown in the next year or two, depending on what happens on that standpoint, which could dramatically change things. I mean, even on the broker side, Right now, they're giving lease agents, they're telling them what to do, they're telling them how to talk, they're telling them how to dials, right? They're telling them like, here's the signs that you have to have. And in any other business, that's not an independent contractor, that's an employee. I don't think that they should be employees, by the way. I think they should all be independent contractors. Um, But if the broker has that uh, choice, next thing you know, they got to pay healthcare. They got, they got 401ks, like the, the margins are getting thinner and thinner. And so that's why what I would do, and I do today with my company, but as a broker, figure out how you're going to save where you can, right? And get really efficient. Um, and it, Marcus Lamonis says this all the time, people, product, and process. If you don't have one of those three things, really fine tune the whole triangle. It's like putting a piece of you know, fire together and you got three pieces of wood. One of them burns more quickly than the other. Boom, the whole thing falls down. And so... You know, the only thing that I can do from our perspective is to help on that process part, right? To help get brokers and admins and agents really good on that process because change is coming. It's accelerating more quickly than it's ever accelerated before. And if you can, if you can figure out just little fine tunes that you're going to make it and you're going to thrive. And that, that to me is, is really like the next big thing that could come down the pipeline. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think you're right on. I, I'll take it even to the next level whether that law passes or not, right? People are going to start having agents as employees. In fact, Zillow already Mm -hmm. does, right? Redfin already does. That's it. You know, people Mm -hmm. already have them as employees. And honestly, the Zillow agents, the Redfin agents, the, you know, in Utah, there's a company called Homey Agents. They don't make as much as your, you know, team producers today who are making millions, they make, you know, a a small salary with a small amount on each transaction. So uh, the pay Mm -hmm. is 
definitely going to be impacted. And I, I agree with you, the number of agents is going to be reduced dramatically. So, oh yeah, oh, yeah. it's going that way. I mean, it, it, it's, it's going that way. Right. And so something to keep an eye on, like if you're a broker, you're an agent, right? Start thinking about what if that happens, because we always have to game plan for scenarios as business owners. If this happens, what do we do? If that happens, what do we do? Like always have a plan. Yes. Okay. So as far as moving over more personal things, as far as like just a few more questions I have for you, like what's your favorite source of learning? Is it, is it books? If so, what are some books? Is it podcasts? Is it, you know, it's changed so much in today's world. So most people listen to audio instead of read actually nowadays. No. You know, uh, I actually prefer reading over audio, you know, cause I get up in the morning and then, uh, at, in, during the evenings is when I get my reading time in, you know, I'll read a lot of strategy books. Um, I'll read small little articles like uh, Harvard business review has, um, like these small little articles that you can read, you sign up for, little short articles, few pages long, but it's, it's really good on the strategy side, right? Just to kind of help expand, um, you know, your mindset on things. You know, the, my favorite book that I read uh, once a year is called Atlas Shrugged. I don't know, have you ever read that or not? Um, I but it's, it was written by, yeah, I think it's like the second or third most read book ever. I mean, Harry Potter, obviously, you know, like number one, but uh, it was written by a lady, Ayn Rand, A-Y-N, R-A-N-D, who grew up in kind of the Soviet bloc era, and it's about capitalism. And I reread it every year because it's a reminder that socialism sucks uh, and we don't want to go there. And, you know, it's one of those things to where I think I first read it when I was 13. Uh, My grandpa was like, here, read this or 14. And it's just a reminder to me of like work really hard, have that grit, have that determination. Right. My grandpa gave me a, a card and that I keep in my wallet that says, you know, education. You know, there's a lot of educated derelicts, right? You have a higher education, you don't do anything with it, but like persistence and determination are omnipotent. And I've kept that with me for a very long time. And I wake up every morning happy, man. I mean, you got to keep optimistic. You know, I mean, every morning I'll wake up and be like, oh, thank God I'm breathing again. Let's get to work. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not as easy as you make it sound. So, what is it you do that allows you to wake up happy every day? Like that's, if, if there's a key to life, that's it right there, right? I don't know, man. You know, I mean, I've learned over the years to, you know, things bother all of us, right? I mean, they let, you know, things get to us. We get stressed out. But when I go to bed at night, you know, I'll think about what I have to do the next morning. And when I wake up, I'm like, I, I literally, man, I enjoy the sunrise. Take a couple minutes to myself. I know that I got a ton to do. But I've always just innately had a more of an optimistic outlook on things, even when like at when things are crumbling, right? I've always tried to take the perspective of I'm lucky, I've got my family, I've got my health. And you know, I mean Gary Vee says all the time, well, he's just imagine everybody around you dead. And like I don't I don't do that. Like I'm not like that, right? To where it's like I have to picture my family dead. But I do I am grateful. I mean, I think this, this year has actually 2020 was, was fun because I got to stay home uh, and I didn't have to drive to the office and I miss my friends and my colleagues going to conferences, but I get to see my kids every day. Right. And like that to me is exciting and keeps me happy, motivated, right? Like what really matters in life. Positive outlook. And I think gratitude, you, you brought up gratitude. That's, that's definitely the key to being a key to being happy as well as growing. 
which uh, you're constantly doing. So mm-hmm. um, what's your favorite thing to do in your personal time? Good question, man. Spending time with the family. But, uh, you know, after I got out of the travel company, I went to go get my pilot's license. And I'll tell you what, if there's anything that you're going to focus on 100%, it's going to be that takeoff and landing when you're flying a little plane by yourself and you're thinking of nothing else besides that. And when you're in a single engine plane, you're kind of looking around like if the engine goes off, where am I going to land? Right. That to me is awesome. I mean, the, the, just the feeling of flying is fun. I love it. Um, and so I try to do that. I don't get to do it as, not, as much as I want to, but that's one of those things that I love doing. And then um, I started getting into Formula One, watching races on uh, Sunday, you know, Sunday morning at 4 a.m. that are over in Europe. And I'd love to go to a race this year. So if anybody out there that has any tickets to Austin, let me know because I want in. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So I actually, uh, actually started driving with a bunch of uh, supercars a few years ago. And like that's very similar to flying an airplane in that when you're – driving around corners at those speeds, like your focus is a hundred percent on what you're doing. Right. And where you're going, not, yep. not on anything else. So, um, what's Nothing. your, what's your favorite place to visit? Like vacations, that kind of place. Oh man. Well, being in the travel industry for, uh, over a decade, I got to go to some pretty neat places. I lived, I, I actually lived in China for a short period of time, lived in uh, both Beijing and Shanghai. Uh, I can tell you that my favorite vacation of all time, I was with my, once on my, with my dad and once with my grandpa and we chartered a little sailboat around the British Virgin islands. And man, there's nothing better than having just anchored out. You wake up in the morning, you jump in the water, it's 85 degrees. And then you get out and, and then you're done with life for the rest of the day if you want to be. And that's it. I mean, you, you, know, you don't even have to move anywhere. In fact, if you want to go from one island to the next, you don't have to raise the sail, man. Like you can see, you just motor on over. And so to me, best vacation ever. Uh, and I have not been back in years and years, but it's definitely on my list uh, very shortly. That's crazy. And I'll tell you what, it was my wife's 40th birthday a week ago and we sailed the Virgin Islands for a week in a 50 foot catamaran. Exactly what you're talking about. Except for our motor did go out for the last two days. So we had to sell. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's great, isn't it? I mean, by far and away, the coolest thing ever. Uh, did you guys get to like a Marina? I think it was called Marina Key. That is that little teeny island that's owned by Puster's Rum and Jose Cuervo. So it's just one little bar in the middle of a teeny little island. And the only way to get up to is dinghy on up and you have the drink is called a painkiller and a bushwhacker, and that's all you're doing all day long. And it's it's an incredible trip. Yeah, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad the, you got the, to do it. The painkiller, bushwhacker, everybody there. That's you hear that constantly, no matter where you go, <laughs> you're there, right? So, yeah, awesome. It's it's just so funny that that's what you talked about, which uh, yeah. we were just there a week ago. So, last thing I wanted to ask you is just like, what other advice do you have for somebody? somebody wanting to build a business, somebody wanting to, to build a real estate business, somebody wanting to build a software business, anything like what's, what's the most important thing that, that you could tell them? Uh, you know, I mean, for me, um, and again, I've like, I've read a lot of strategy books, but in the end, it just kind of comes back to, you know, are you willing to get back up after you get knocked down? Right. Because you're going to get knocked down. And, and I've even in lion desk. I mean, we've, we've been knocked down a lot. In the travel business, I was there for 9-11, right? I mean, people are flying planes into buildings and you're wondering what the hell is going to happen. Nobody's going to travel again and they had to live through it again this year. 
And like I said earlier, right, things don't get easier, you just get better. And so you have to be constantly improving yourself every single day and surrounding yourself as the team gets better. That first two or three hires sets the tone for the rest of the company. And so if you can find the right person that fits the culture that you want to build, fits your core values, and you start putting your processes together, then you're going to have a hell of a lot more fun. And it may take time, you know. This stuff doesn't come easy, you know. I mean, there's no shortcut to success, especially in real estate, where, in all honesty, you know, I've seen it like real estate tech is where a lot of dreams have gone to die. You know, I mean, we've seen this. I mean, you you've seen this too. And so you just got to keep working. And if the first thing doesn't work, try the next product and then try the next product and and um, you know, keep going. It's all about, you know, just busting your ass and working hard. And and like my grandpa always told me, you know, determination and hard work and effort is omnipotent. Yeah. Great advice. How do people best get a hold of you? I'm sure a lot of people are David at liondesk.com. Lion Desk. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you, well, you go to liondesk.com, uh, right. For the product, you know, and then uh, if you want to get a hold of me, shoot me an email or just request me on uh, Facebook. It's pretty, pretty straightforward. Just David at liondesk.com. And, uh, I don't, I don't have the, the Twitter. I don't, I don't, you know, I wish I had time for all that stuff, but I read more than I talk and uh, the more than I type and, and I listen more than I talk. So awesome. I like it that way. All right, David. Yep. Well, uh, again, I think you've given a lot of great advice. I really appreciate you joining today and I'm looking forward to CISU and Lion Desk working closer together in the years to come. Absolutely. Me too, Brian. Appreciate it. And uh, thanks a lot, man. Yeah, it's good times. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of CISU, Go to sisu.co, S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your setup fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, the real estate growth mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.